0: Welcome to your daily dose of facts to fight off the liberal gaslighting. You can be in the middle of a hurricane. You have sanctuary in the city of Chicago. Or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. I am angry. We are not going back, not ever. North is still north. People can yell at me. The hell with the Supreme Court. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. We don't get fooled again. No, no. Live across the fruited plain and from sea to shining sea, we are converting the Marxist left one hour at a time on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Well, hello, America, and beyond the fruited plane. welcome home to the Wendy Bell Radio program. I'm Wendy. I'm delighted to be with you. If you're new to the program, welcome home. It's not complicated. Common sense, conservative values, five days a week, 15 hours of broadcasting, fabulosity, if you will, every single week for you. And we got a great show today. You know, if you pay close enough attention, and I know you do, you can see the theme. You can see the playbook. You understand what's coming in act number two because it does not deviate. The people who wish to suck the joy and everything that you love out of your world are very lazy and they keep doing the same thing over and again. Today, we're going to blow it open and I think you're going to like it. Make you a little bit mad, but that's okay. That means you're alive. Whatever you are, you are home now and we are delighted to have you. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. 2023 was kind of a weird year in my family. We've been relatively unscathed, at least on the bell side of my family. I'm actually the end of my family. I'm the last born member of my family. There were no boys to carry on the bell name. I am it. And now we're looking at a few things. We've lost a few members of our family, and it's not something that we've dealt with before. We've been very lucky. We've had health and good fortune, ups and downs for sure, but nobody dying tragically until this year. And it's hard when you look at stuff like this, when you look at death. As you well know, if you're a frequent flyer of the program, I was in New Hampshire about a month ago at a cousin's funeral, 57, young, young. And then right after he passed away, I had an uncle who died in his late 70s. Different stories, different individuals. My uncle was probably more prepared. He would suffered from Parkinson's. He had had a stroke. He was in assisted living. His wife had already passed away. He had time to reflect on who he was, what he had done, what his legacy was. Did he have any regrets? My cousin Steve didn't have that luxury. Unfortunately. Regret is a difficult subject. It's one of the things I've really impressed upon my sons. Because you got to let the leash out. you got to let your kids venture out and make some decisions. And you hope, as I do, that none of the results are going to end up destroying your heart. So you teach. And what I have taught is, try not to live with regret. Don't wish you had done something, said something, gone after something until it's too late because that's a terrible, terrible feeling. And it reminds me of that book that I have spoken of on this program before by Bronnie Ware. She's an Australian palliative care nurse. And in her own life trajectory of detours and such, She sort of stumbled upon this role of sitting in the last eight weeks of life with people in hospice, last several days often. And she asked every single person the same question, what would be your biggest regret if this was the last day of your life? Nobody ever said that they wished they'd worked harder, spent more time at the office. They didn't wish they had more stuff, that they had driven a fancier car, that they had more money in the bank account. The greatest regrets were simple things that can be so elusive. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself not the life others expected of me that was the top one I wish I hadn't worked so hard I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings whether it be to share my love for someone that I never did or had the courage to be who I am regardless of what it meant reactions from others being your authentic self i wish i'd stayed in touch with my friends was the fourth i wish i had let myself be happier was the fifth of the top five regrets that she compiled in speaking with people in the end of their lives this journey that we have is i don't know whether you believe it's predetermined how long you get I just know that we have to take our bread and soak up the gravy whenever we can. And it's never about the money. It's never about the accumulations of things. It's never about what's under the tree. It's always what's in your heart. And so I tell my sons, look, work the hardest you can. Your job is right now. To be students to listen to learn to absorb to think to think outside the box to imagine to dream and to go after it and if you don't work hard at the beginning you're not going to get the opportunities that you might have otherwise later on that road of your life and they've all had to make their own decisions and their own mistakes on this path And quickly, they learned, I do have to work hard. I do have to be honest. I do have to do my own work and tell the truth. And I do have to be aware of what's going on around me. What Bronnie Ware, the Australian palliative care nurse, identified was what makes us the happiest. It's personal connections. It's spending time with each other. It's laughter and being silly and giving in to being joyful. To realizing that none of us is perfect. Trying to be is futile. And the more you embrace all of the warts and the nooks and crannies of you, the more you embrace those things, the more singularly unique you are the more enjoyable you are to be around. Everything that's going on in the world is contrary to what Bronnie Ware discovered. They want to take that joy. They want to take that happiness, that peace of mind from us. And they come at us in many different ways. And they, I mean, not just the left, not just Democrats, not just liberals, communists, Marxists, whatever, socialists, progressives. It's bigger than that. Because we are all in this script as unwitting participants in a screenplay of Suck. And the end result is when the curtain closes, you have nothing if you have anything. And you like it. And they're doing it yet again in a very specific way. We're going to start hearing about things creeping out. There's a new skin something or other. There's a new virus. There's something wrong with the water. You need to stop eating meat. Let's start embracing artificial intelligence. Get another vaccine. And now we've got on the global platform the EU trying to go with this digital currency so that everything that you have, every dollar that you own that is yours, kind of evaporates and is on some grid that somebody else other than you controls. So my message in this opening monologue to today's program is simple. While we can't possibly predict when the end of our individual lives will come, We do have control over all of the good stuff up until then. They want you miserable. They want you afraid. They want you conned, fooled, and addicted. And the more you resist, and the more you love, and the more you laugh, and the more you realize what really matters, the more you win. I don't want anybody's regret to be, I wish I would have pushed back sooner. Because by the time you say that, it's probably too late. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program, my friends, in today's You Can't Make This Crap Up segment, (laughs) a Canadian woman falls in love. Oh, what a story. It will at least make you smile, and you deserve that. On this hump day you're tuned into the wendy bell radio program back right after this well i think you need it in the beginning sometimes i like to close the show with things that make you smile or giggle or thank your blessings count your blessings that you're not like other people who are really odd this however we got to start with this so there's pansexual there's bisexual there's asexual of course, all of this feels very manufactured because it is. How about eco-sexual? Oh, yeah. We can't let the, the green tree huggers, I mean, legitimate tree huggers, <laughs> not have their own category of love. Headline, Breitbart.com, eco-sexual woman. <laughs> oh, boy. Claims she's in an erotic relationship <clears throat> with a tree. I hope it's not a cactus. I don't know. It seems kind of rough around the edges here. A woman who described herself as ecosexual believes she's in the midst of a love affair with an oak tree. That makes a difference, Brock. You know that. The woman, Sonia Semyonova, 45, claims she connected with the tree during her lonely... (laughs) Really lonely. (laughs) Lonely, lonely loner... Solo walks in the summer of 2021. I'm going to go with she was probably masked, which is good. Safe, always. Those walks began in 2020, in fact, during the coronavirus pandemic. It was the same year that she moved to Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada. Quote, I was walking a path near the tree five days a week for the whole winter. I noticed a connection with that tree. <laughs> she said, she said, Explaining that she had been, quote, craving that rush of erotic energy that comes when you meet a new partner. And that is not sustainable. <laughs> what? The presence I feel with the tree is what I'm looking for. But that's a fantasy with a person, she said. Well, at least she's self-diagnosing. That's good. I'm sure their saplings will be cute as buttons. <laughs> the feeling of being tiny and supported by something so solid. The feeling of not being able to fall, she said. Further describing her erotic experiences with the tree. Although she said she does not have physical relations with the oak. We can all sleep at night now. I would lie There against. are so many jokes <laughs> there, it is not even funny. I, I know, I would lie against it. There was an eroticism with something so big and so old. Holding my back, she continued, asserting that there are major misconceptions about eco-sexuality. I don't really have any misconceptions because I'm just learning that it's a thing, so I haven't judged yet, but I'm beginning to, which the environmental group, the Sierra Club, describes as unabashedly queer. (laughs) Do we know if the tree felt the same way? Oh my, this sounds like abuse. This, there's a victim here. It's a femininity. That's absolutely what it is. I mean, I'm no arborist. (laughs) But I played one on the radio. (laughs) But I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last year. I would lie against it. Okay, please. Here come the eco-sexuals, ladies and gentlemen. Let's define it. In part, it is a person that finds nature romantic, sensual and sexy really because if she does she can come to my house and do some yard work i've got some work i I have oak trees and they've pooed a lot of leaves all over the place there's some acorns too maybe she'd like to have some intimate moments with that bags of, of of dead leaves ladies and gentlemen I think we have a much bigger issue in this country than we're talking about. And while I would encourage you to embrace and not have regrets in life, for sure, I think perhaps this is just a little bit out there. Is she still attracted (laughs) to the tree when it loses its leaves? I don't know. I don't know. But she'd lie against it. It would hold her up. She believes that eco-sexuality is simply a different way to explore the erotic. For example, she said watching the seasons change is an erotic act for her okay she must not live in pa because (laughs) every four months she'd be going through another phase (laughs) you go from death in winter and then everything comes alive in the spring and mates she says adding there are similarities between sex with people and the eroticism ecosexuals feel with nature but they're not the same okay so why am I dropping this ridiculous story? All right, whatever. I mean, there's a reason that they're writing a story about her because it's preposterous. But whatever, if you love the tree, love the tree. I don't care. She's not making me love the tree, right? Th- this whole mm, climate, you know, earth, climate change, green hysteria. Well, it, it's really coming to a head right now, okay? And it, it's cyclical. This is cyclical. This has been going on since like the 1970s. This whole hysteria using something that you cannot disprove, right? You look at a storm. Oh, that's that's climate change. Well, I mean, the climate does change. I mean, I live with the climate changing all the time. And so do you. It's really not that complicated. But you cannot disprove some of the nonsense garbage that they're dropping on you. Like you're a carbon footprint. It's so many metric, cubic metric tons of blah, blah, blah. And you're like, wow, that sounds serious. Really? It's ridiculous is what it is. And we're going to walk through this step, okay? We're going to walk through the story of this climate alarmism. We're going to have some audio sound bites later in the program. That will allow you to identify the fraud, the scam, the shtick, the hook, and the end game, which is, again, taking yet another something from you that gives your life joy and flavor and happiness. And and they want to crush it. All right. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Wendy Bell Radio program, remember how you could get canceled and banned for asking questions? The new details of a lawsuit about COVID and that lab leak? Oh, boy. Buckle up. It's next. You ever find yourself imagining perhaps as you're wandering through the woods as the Canadian woman who describes herself as an eco-sexual who's in love with an oak tree, you ever find yourself wandering around and wondering what America could be like if our government sucked less, right? What does our friend John Kennedy say? Senator Kennedy, you've just got to try harder not to suck. Unfortunately, we are in a vortex of said suckage. All right. And these are people who do not have your best interests. They do not care about us. They are not interested in what we think they are interested in controlling us. They are interested in us paying for their lavish, ridiculous, untenable ideals, which also all suck. And they wrap it up in a bow as though it's something that's really good. It's meaningful. And then just to push it over the finish line, there's got to be some pants on fire emergency like, ah, act now. Don't think about it. Don't question us. Don't ask for the evidence. Don't ask to see the trial data. Don't think about that proof. Just act, as we say. And, of course, you've experienced this many times in your life. Most recently, we experienced it. With January 6th, okay? January 6th was a means to an end. It was a setup. up. It was according to a script. Now, some things went off script. But by and large, what they needed to have happen, a smokescreen to cover up our obvious questions about the 2020 election. They needed that and they've been riding this like a rented mule since. And it is not okay... When innocent people are ensnared in the crosshairs and are exiled into the land of the forgotten in some God forsaken gulag where they are abused and neglected and ignored all the while knowing that they're innocent. What else have we gone through this with? This is the whole COVID hysteria story, ladies and gentlemen. There is an immediate emergency. It requires your immediate action. Not your thinking. Not your individual freedoms. Not your ability to decide what's good for you and not. Follow the leader. And if you don't, and if you, God forbid, ask questions. Does anybody else feel weird about this? This is really weird. You are excommunicated. You are exiled off of social media, banned for life. I've been banned for life on multiple platforms. Why? Because I said something that was wrong or because I said something that was right? And that brings us to this new one. Well, it's not new. The climate stuff we're going to talk about today is not new, but I want you to follow the pattern of the alarmism. That way you'll be able to identify, this seems so familiar to me. Well, yeah, it should. Because these people are lazy. They don't deviate from the playbook. It worked back in the 1890s. By golly, let's bring it out again. This COVID stuff, though, that Dr. Fauci, his head has not rolled yet. That there's been no criminal consequence for this guy and all of the other cast of characters on this ship of fools. Peter Dasick from Eco Health Alliance, Dr. Ralph Barrick from, you know, UNC Chapel Hill, and the Batwoman. I mean, that our government is cool with us paying for Frankenstein research to create something that can kill us. Is just Totally off the charts to me, but not really. So that brings me to this story, <clears throat> redstate.com. i like to provide you with the information where I find it. Remember, you can also join our locals page. And you can get a rundown of every show. So this is, this is on redstate.com, and it says new. Lawsuit claims CIA hid records of monetary payoffs to bury COVID lab leak findings. Now, is anybody surprised by that? And isn't that the shame of all things that we're talking about today? Can you imagine if the Central Intelligence Agency actually was working to protect us instead of working with the globalists to destroy us? Can you imagine if the FBI which is supposed to be among the preeminent law enforcement intelligence agencies in the world. Can you imagine if they loved America? Even a scotch, a scintilla, a, a smidgen's worth, the way we do, instead of actually fighting us, entrapping us, setting us up, Can you imagine that? I sometimes do. Let's get to the story. A new lawsuit filed by the Heritage Foundation's Oversight Project. Thank God for these organizations. Thank God for the Heritage Foundation. Thank God for Judicial Watch. Thank goodness for James O'Keefe and the O'Keefe Media Group. Thank goodness for people like Liz Collin, who's coming up in hour number three of this program today the investigative reporter who dug into the real story of George Floyd and the hysteria that followed it. All of these storylines follow the same script. A new lawsuit filed by the Heritage Foundation's Oversight Project claims that the CIA is withholding records that would show payoffs to analysts for burying evidence that a lab leak was the probable cause of the COVID-19 pandemic. All this tells me is that Fauci's fingerprints, without question, are all over every single damn part of this tragedy. And these people rushed out, and they put on their stupid virtue-signaling masks, and then they got this stupid plastic shield because that's going to move the needle. And then they, unvaccinated that they are, pushed endless boosters on you and your family and they threat they threatened you you were demonized vilified if you didn't step in line and if you dare to ask questions you were a vaccine denier fauci's fingerprints all over it cia all over it analysts right we're gonna give you some cash and that cash and the threat of you never working in this field again will quickly get you in line with us. My, my, my. How all of these people get in line to lie. How many millions of people are dead because of what these people did? The world should absolutely hate Fauci, Fauci, the NIH, the NIAID, the FDA, the CDC, the World Health Organization, and everybody else who lied from day friggin' one. Back in September, a whistleblower told Congress that six of the seven CIA officers assigned to the agency's COVID discovery team which consisted of multidisciplinary and experienced officers with significant scientific expertise, mumbo jumbo for nothing, did not believe the evidence pointed to zoonotic transfer. It never happened in a freaking wet market. It wasn't some bat doing something and, and urinating on somebody or biting something. And, of course, anybody who lives with common sense hello, who knew that from moment number one. You know what? I don't feel very good about being vindicated because people have died and they continue to die every day because of side effects from what these monsters pushed on us. After hearing the testimony, This whistleblower gave to Congress, testified that after receiving a significant incentive, those six members who didn't really get the vibe of the zoonotic transfer, but they were going for the lab leak thing because, I don't know, it made sense. Well, apparently there is a number. Everybody has a number. What is your dollar figure? What is the bribe? What's the payoff? What's it going to take? Well, they all got in line. Oh, it totally looks like it came from from nature. Absolutely. Without question. And then they wonder why we don't trust science. Right? Huh. After hearing the testimony, Representatives Brad Wenstrup and Mike Turner sent a letter to the CIA and a former official requesting documents related to the COVID discovery team. The letter read, in part, a multi-decade, senior-level current agency officer has come forward to provide information to the committees regarding the agency's analysis into the origins of COVID-19. Did you guys ever think you were going to get an analysis of the origins of COVID-19? That's just to throw you off the scent. we got to make it look like we're doing something. No, no, no. Uh, We've looked into it. My knowledge tells me this is like East Palestine, Ohio, right? The air, the water, and the soil looks perfect. Come on back. There's nothing to see here. Really? Why are all the fish dead? Why are the deer dead? What Going down river? What happened to all the birds? What's going to happen to the crops you guys want to grow there? Well, I'm sure it's not going to be a big deal. I mean... Come on, man. What are you doing? How is this any different than the payoffs, the bribes, this whole disgusting idea of holding something over on quote-unquote experts? The Fauci pulled on all of these people with COVID, too. If you don't get in line and push this stupid vaccine, which is not, One, good for you. Two, helpful in any way. Three, anything we should have ever gotten behind after 1,223 people died during phase one. Right? If you don't get behind what I'm talking about, you know I hold the uh, purse strings to billions of dollars of grant money. I sure would hate to see your funding dry up, Dr. Fill in the blank. These are the stories that come out. I don't even have to go into the nuance for you. But it took one whistleblower. It took Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler with the IRS. Two whistleblowers. To come forward and tell you what you already knew. What they're so desperate to cover up. Ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, these scumbags... Yeah, scumbags pushing climate hysteria are following the same COVID fear mongers tactics using vague information, lots of facts and figures that they can't prove, right? We're going to walk you through something that you need to see regarding this green nonsense. Great wake up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. You know, you gotta love this. When big stories come out, what? The CIA covered up information about analysts taking bribes to report that it wasn't a lab leak, that all signs pointed to zoonotic exposure? Come on! All of this garbage is predicated on you not trusting what you've trusted your whole life. Your own instincts. Your common sense. You know all of this smells as Foul as it does. How about this headline? Justin Trudeau installs taxpayer-funded tampon dispensers in Canadian men's bathrooms. All all of this. Very purposeful. The destruction of the family. How do you destroy the family? Well, you've got to get to mom. Because mom is the future. Mom is the womb of tomorrow. How do you get to mom? You've got to destroy dad emasculate dad make dad effeminate blur the lines of sexuality make everybody a freak and then anybody who steps out and is like you know what you're a moron gotta give them ah you're a homophobe you're a misogynist. no I live in realville and you all need therapy so Justin Trudeau he's gonna put tampons and pads in men's, ba- in men's bathrooms in Canada, because that's going to move the needle. It's all purposeful. I'm not going to waste too much oxygen on that, because Lord Farquaad is a small little acolyte of the World Economic Forum of SOC. So are all these other people. And you know this. So this whole climate emergency, right, which is nothing new, it's cyclical. I don't know. It's kind of like the weather. Which changes, right? Ah, bad flooding in Wyoming. Climate change. Major avalanche in Colorado. Climate change. Or it's, you know, seasons. Stuff happens. This is where. This is where you need the media to plant the seed of suck to legitimize the idea that science can be believed. science can't be believed any more than medicine can be believed any more than the erasing of history can be relieved any more than any of this can be believed it's ridiculous how about this from the telegraph this is from the uk climate change provokes urgent action on food systems everywhere okay how how do you control people after they've refused and awakened from the hysteria of a virus, right? Whether or not you decided to get vaccinated and for whatever your reason, whatever, Uh, may, you know, peace be with you. My greatest wish for all of you is that you live long and happy lives, whatever. They thought COVID was going to be it. They thought that was going to be the moment. And then the Canadian truckers came out. Right. And they pushed back and they said, no, we don't want to have to get vaccinated to do our freaking jobs, which is to create transit, take goods from point A to point B and be, I don't know, the central nervous system of our economy. How about that? And so they've come up with all sorts of other things. Now you've got to try, try this climate thing. All right. It's the farmers who are destroying the planet. We've got to change what we eat. Well, how do you control the people? You control the water that they drink and the food that they eat, whether it's quality, quantity, or access. And that's exactly what they're doing. How about in the Netherlands? trying to buy all the family farms. Until what did those farmers do? Oh, that's right. They did what the truckers did. And they said, screw you. We've owned these farms for generations. You will not come in here and wave some stupid verbiage around as though that's scientific and it means anything to me. Well, we could save so many million metric cubic tons of blah, 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 blah. You know what I like? I like a big, fat, juicy steak. Big steak. I bought a cow last year for heaven's sakes. You want to take away our meat? Those are fighting words. And the telegraph in the UK can pretend all it wants that it can scare us into submission. You're not going to fall for it. Climate change provokes urgent action on food systems everywhere. This is a seed that's been planted to now come after the farms. Bill Gates buying all the farmland. Chinese dudes from communist Chinese party, right? The communist China group. Come over here, buy up our farmland. What the hell are you going to do with that? Oh, great. They're going to control the food supply. They want you to change how you eat. You're going to hear it in moments from that whack job Tedros, uh, whatever his name is, from the who. And he, some stupid bureaucrat of suck, is going to say, we need to change how we eat. No more meat, all plant-based, much healthier. Did you guys vote for that? Because I didn't. And I'll tell you what. You come from my beer? You come from my meat? You're engaging in a little war that I intend to win. So we're gonna walk you through this, friends. You gotta hear the sound of urgency. We must act now! The clock is ticking! It's gonna cost a lot, but it's gonna make you feel better. Or will it not? Ah, that's the rub, my friends. The war on meat because bugs and plants are so much better for us. You falling for it? Of course not. And they really need you to. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network.